first episode of Russo's podcast about anything and I'm Dave Colarusso your host and let me preface this by saying that I have no idea what I'm doing so good luck getting through this to all of my zero listeners. My goal with this is to be able to have a podcast that can cover any genre of topics both with and without guests but today is just going to be me. Now today I'm going to be talking about Hong Kong and the protests currently occurring there as well as some related topics. All I ask is try and have a little patience while I try and get a nice flow and cadence going. Hong Kong So for anyone unaware, Hong Kong is culturally and politically on fire right now due to the Hong Kong mainland China conflict. Now prior to 1842, China had always ruled over Hong Kong until a treaty handed the island over to the British Empire who ruled via colonialism. Britain remained in power until 1941 to 1945 when Hong Kong was occupied by the Japanese Empire during World War II. Post the Japanese defeat, British rule was back on. Then in 1984, the Sino-British Joint Declaration was signed, which was to transfer ownership of Hong Kong from the now United Kingdom to the People's Republic of China, or PRC. This was to occur in 1997, and that's exactly what happened. And if you're asking yourself why China is being referred to as Sino, it's because the Latin language doesn't have a ch sound. So China became Sina, and that's where you get Sino from. Now it's 1997 and the PRC is running the show under what was supposed to be the quote, one country, two systems principle. This principle, which is constitutionally principle meaning it was voted and signed in, meant there was only one China, but Hong Kong would be allowed to run their own economy and governmental administrative systems. Here's what ended up happening. Beijing promised that the citizens could freely elect their own dudes as long as Beijing approved them. AKA, most candidates became pro-Beijing candidates. Part of this principle was that by 2017, that Beijing approval system would be scrapped, and guess what didn't happen? And that's just part of the reason that everyone in Hong Kong is so angry at Beijing. Very similar principles were used for Tibet, Macau, and Taiwan, which the PRC considers as China, are also causing major global issues. Now, aside from Beijing going back on their promise of legislative reform for Hong Kong, here is a quick list of some of the other incidents that are prompting these protests. 1. The kidnapping of Hong Kong citizens by Chinese personnel. For example, in 2015, the owner and some of the staff of a Hong Kong book company who published anti-Beijing literature were kidnapped. In 2015, the Chinese Football Association released promotional posters mocking the multi-ethnical makeup of Hong Kong football team. Also, the kidnapping and then disappearance of a Chinese billionaire who was living in Hong Kong in 2017. Now, in February 2019, the pro-Beijing folks in the Hong Kong government pushed the 2019 Hong Kong extradition bill. Now, this allows legal transfer of fugitives back to the PRC, People's Republic of China. On 9 June, the protest began. An estimated hundreds of thousands to up to a million of Hong Kong citizens showed up. Then six days later, on 15 June, the bill was suspended. On 23 October, it was withdrawn completely, but it was too late and the fuse had already been lit. The protests that began six days later were being violently quelled by the Hong Kong police force, and this drove a new intensity and focus for the citizens of Hong Kong. Now, just what are the protesters trying to accomplish? 1. The complete removal of the extradition bill. Check in the box. B. Recognition of the protests of a political means as opposed to the pro-Beijing government calling them riots. 3. Arrest- release of arrested protesters. 
4. An investigation, and independent rightfully so, of the conduct of the Hong Kong police force. And E. Finally, the resignation of Carrie Lam, who initiated the extradition bill. Now let's talk about the military and police presence in Hong Kong. There is the PLA, People Liberations Army, that have a garrison in Hong Kong that has approximately 10 to 12,000 personnel. All these personnel are spread out amongst numerous army bases, naval ports, and air stations and air force stations. Their equipment varies from armored personnel carriers, which I'll explain in a few minutes, PLA special forces, automatic grenade launchers, a dozen ships, and a few dozen more than that in helicopters. Now, prior to 1997, Hong Kong was under British rule, and the British forces overseas provided local defense before handing that over to the PLA. Hong Kong itself has never had a military force. Now, it's important to state that the military presence in Hong Kong are not the ones oppressing the protesters. It's the police force. Traditionally, the role of the military is to oppose enemy country hostilities and or overseas combat operations. If you ever see the military getting involved on behalf of the people, that's usually the beginning of the end for the government. This will lead to either one of two things. A. The military assisting the people in overthrowing the government, known as a coup d'etat. Or 2. The military alone overthrows the government and instills a military dictatorship. But neither of that is going to happen here since the police force are already doing this for them. Now personally, I think that a coup d'etat could be possible in Lebanon, but that's a whole nother conversation. If you're interested in a separate podcast about Lebanon, just let me know. Also, the role of the police is to suppress civilian criminal activity and support public order and safety. This previous statement can be used by local governments to use the police force against protesters in whatever means they see fit, i.e., look at any world news channel covering Hong Kong right now. The Hong Kong police force are brutally putting down Hong Kong protesters. Now let's talk about the Hong Kong Police Force, or otherwise known as the Royal Hong Kong Police Force. They got the royal part of the title for quelling riots in 1967, and they've been doing nothing but getting better at it since. This police force has 34,000 officers and an additional 3,000 in the marine region along with 143 vessels. The ground force, in addition to their police cars, also has armored personnel carriers attached to their police tactical units. Now for those who don't know, an armored person excuse me, an armored personnel carrier, I'm still learning to read, or APC, is a tracked or wheeled vehicle with armor a step down from a tank and doesn't have the cannon a tank has. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't leave them without weapons. APCs can be unarmed, but most have the ability to mount machine guns or automatic grenade launchers. Oh boy. But hey, good news. The Hong Kong police force has ordered 10 new electric scooters for their officers to help them reduce pollution in central Hong Kong. Good for them. Go green. And how are the protesters armed now? China and subsequently Hong Kong have some of the strictest gun ownership regulations globally. Private citizens are not allowed to possess firearms. And to capitalize on that, in 1938, Mao Zedong, also known as Chairman Mao, stated, quote, political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Go figure. There's even restrictions on airsoft guns. So the protesters have resorted to makeshift armored weapons. Bats, pipes, bow and arrow, street signs and shields. It's very reminiscent of a fallout melee build, and I gotta say, they look pretty badass. Now, here's the overall problem. The Hong Kong police are running rampant on the citizens and protesters. I literally just watched a video of riot police spraying anti-riot or some kind of CS spray onto citizens who, in the video, appear to have not done anything to the police. These four people I'm mentioning were laying on the floor of a subway car in tears and trying to shield one another from the spray while still getting sprayed. The other citizens in the subway car were jam-packed on the ends of the car trying to get away from the spraying and were trying to shield themselves with umbrellas, which were falling apart because the riot police were having a field day with their batons. Jesus. That was a rough watch. And you know what? Let's say those four people did do something. And I'm saying, let's say all four of them did something. 
Now what about the other dozens of people in that car who I'm sure are getting some of that spray too? I promise you that stream is not as direct as one might think, especially at the distance those officers are spraying it. Now when an officer goes through CS spray training, part of the training is that they have to get sprayed themselves and then run through some kind of gauntlet. The reason for this is that since the spray kind of goes everywhere, you have to know how to react when being sprayed because if you're spraying it, you're probably getting some too. They probably sprayed at least another dozen people who were just hanging out in that car trying to go to work. And what about those wrecked umbrellas that they were trying to protect themselves with? Probably wrecked by batons, judging by how destroyed they were. I mean, they are practically in pieces. And if they were swinging that wildly with batons, I'm sure some innocent bystanders got some of that wood. One misjudged swing to the side of someone's head could kill them. That's a TBI at the least. And then in addition to the batons, you're going to have some other just straight bullying behavior, like kicking and stomping people while they're, while they're already down and restrained. You know what kind of person does that? That one kid in elementary school was just a sadistic little bully, or that one dark kid who thought killing animals was fun. Well now, he can go torture people professionally because he got a power trip job in a business ran by an oppressive regime. On purpose. What a dick. Now, if you're morbidly curious to see this video, look up Prince Edward Station. It should be one of the first hits. But you're warned, it's pretty dark. Seeing those poor people on the ground getting sprayed is pretty brutal. It's going to be burned in your mind for a little bit, and I know it's burned into mine. Okay, now we have the tear gas incidents. The Hong Kong police have been deploying tear gas as a means to disperse the protesters. But they have also been using it in contained areas, including subways, which creates a gas chamber-like environment. They have also used tear gas very, very close to elderly homes. The problem with this is that while called a gas, tear gas is more of a particulate than a gas. What that means is that a breeze can easily move that particulate cloud into the direction of the wind blowing. Like, I don't know, an elderly home. Now with all these incidents of inappropriate use of tear gas, CS spray, batons, and rubber bullets which are being shot directly to the body at a very close range, which could kill you, these protesters are going to need first aid. That's going to be very difficult when the Hong Kong police force is arresting first aid responders to prevent them from treating the wounded. And freedom of press, right? Freedom of the press. Now, that's not going to happen when the police force is obstructing them from documenting the protests, especially the police's brutal tactics. How are they obstructing them, you ask? Uh, just with tear gas, CS spray, rubber bullets, and water cannons. And lastly, just to capitalize on spreading a climate of fear to include hospital residents getting arrested, there are way too many reports of the torture of arrested protesters. Now, the reports are vague for the obvious reason of the police are not releasing the arrestees. Some of the tamer allegations range from prolonged laser pointers to the eyes to the awful accusations of sexual assault on the arrested protesters. Now, it's important that people know exactly what's occurring in Hong Kong to shed more international eyes on the pro-Beijing government and the Hong Kong police force's atrocities. Having said that, I think this is a good point to start wrapping things up. Here are some of the more current events and my thoughts on them. Hong Kong University. Semester classes canceled by the school and have been shifted to online classes. Personally, I think this is a smart move. The students are vandalizing the school grounds and closing the school will hopefully stop some of that. Now, a bad thing on this is that the students kicked the hell out of a mainland China student. Man, don't do that. That's just a kid. I mean, maybe he was talking trash, but even still, kicking his ass isn't going to help anybody. Spectators booed during the Chinese National Anthem in the World Cup qualifying match at Hong Kong Stadium. Now this one isn't surprising, but this is a very good thing. Soccer, or football, is globally huge, so imagine millions of people were watching this live and watched that anthem get booed out of town. And that's fine. Okay, now as of November 16th, the death count is as follows. One dead due directly to the protests, two accidental deaths, and nine suicides. 
Now there's also over 2,000 injured and over 3,000 arrested. Now here's some closing comments. If Hong Kong can get through this in one piece and the PLA doesn't get involved, it's going to give them an incredible sense of self-identity as both a state and hopefully someday a nation. And how can anyone match the bravery of the protesters? At a peak, they've had a million or more protesters at just one time in the streets out of a 7,482,500 person population. That's 13.3% of the entire Hong Kong population. If you take that percentage of the United States population, that's the equivalent of a U.S. protest of 43,513,269 Americans. For a comparison, that's if five New York cities went out and protested in the streets all in the same day. So keep on fighting Hong Kong. Now, I didn't mean to sound completely depressing, especially in a first episode, especially when the goal of this podcast is meant to be lighthearted. But I, on a personal level, felt that more light should be shed on the plight of the citizens of Hong Kong. All right, folks, I think that's a good place to end it. If you did listen to this, my gratitude for this has no end. If you have ever a topic you'd like me to talk about or want to come on the show yourself to talk about something, by all means, please reach out to me. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all available podcast directories and whenever possible, leave a five-star review. Additionally, you can go on russopodcast.com to see any information on upcoming podcasts. All right, well, ladies and gents, I suppose that's about it. I'd like to end this episode with a song I was recently introduced to from 1965 by Donovan, and it's called Catch the Wind. Have a lovely rest of your day, and remember, Epstein didn't kill himself. In the chilly hours and minutes of uncertainty, I want to be in the warm heart of your love and mine. To feel you all around me and to take your hand along the sand I bet I may as well try and catch the wind When sundown pales the sky I want to hide a while behind your smile and everywhere I'd look your eyes For me to love you now Would be the sweetest thing T'would make me sing I bet I may as well try and catch the wind I bet I may as well try